You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Paul showed me greatly that when I read him, his life didn't matter. It wasn't about him anymore. It was about Jesus Christ. It was so important that we see that, that we've died and we've been resurrected in him. And he is now our life. And the old me has passed away. Thank you, Jesus. And the new me has emerged. I see that, Paul. I see that. Have you ever been so invested in something that you were willing to spend all your time, money, and energy on it? Maybe it was a relationship or career. Today, Pastor Dave teaches you that the Apostle Paul was so invested in Jesus that he was willing to die for him. Is there anything in your life that's worth more than Jesus? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 18 as he continues his message. Are you ready for anything? Jesus Christ. You need to know exactly what he did in your heart. You need to be close to him. You need to seek him. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to allow him to pierce your heart with the truth and to give you the heart for the lost. Then he's going to train you up, probably in a local church, and then he's going to give you the desire to go out and serve him. That's what you need to be a missionary. You need a heart. One of the things we love about Merritt Island is as you walk it, it says you're entering the most dangerous missionary field in the world as you leave their doors going back to your homes. We have this great example in the book of Acts about this man whose heart was pierced by the Holy Spirit. He was set apart for Jesus Christ and he was called to service. He's trained and he's ready for the ministry and finally he's sent out in the name of the Holy Spirit. To be a missionary, you must yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You must yield to what the Spirit is doing in your life. Paul had a missionary's heart and followed the Spirit's lead and he leaves Corinth. He takes his new ministry partners with him, Priscilla and Aquila, and they've been sitting under Paul now for over a year. They've been listening to him teach, and now they're ready for ministry, and Paul sees that in them, and they become very, very important in his ministry team, and you'll see that a little later. They sail for Syria. Paul had taken a vow. He had his hair cut. It was a Nazarite vow, and in order to fulfill the Nazarite vow, you must go to Jerusalem and basically burn your hair on the altar. That's how the Nazarite vow was concluded. Paul was going to Jerusalem. Paul made a decision to do this vow. He didn't have to do it. He consecrated himself. Remember we talked about consecration a couple weeks ago? Paul made a decision in his heart to dedicate his life to the Lord, to consecrate his life to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to serve you and you alone. No other shall have my attention. No other shall have my allegiance. I'm yours and yours by me alone. You're mine. Paul made a decision and he consecrated himself. When we give our whole life to Jesus Christ without measure, we put ourselves in complete submission to his will. We're going to serve him when he calls without hesitation. Our answers are going to be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's what our answer is going to be. Paul wants to draw close to the Lord, and he's ready for anything the Lord has for him. 
So he leaves Corinth behind, and as he draws closer to the Lord, seeking strength through his vow, we see in verses 19 through 21 that they come to Ephesus, and he stays there a short time. It says, and he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered a synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. Paul comes to Ephesus. And again, we have an interesting comment here because Ephesus is the modern-day Turkey, which is Asia. Remember, Paul wanted to go to Asia, but was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go, and he didn't go. Now, the Holy Spirit allows him to go there. He's guided yet, and he goes. And here we see Paul doing something that he said he wasn't going to do. Paul goes back into a synagogue and reasons with the Scriptures. He goes back into the synagogue. Remember, last time in Corinth, he said, I'm going to the Jews. I mean, I'm going to the Gentiles. Your blood be on your own head. And here he is. He's going back in. He's he's going back in. He loved his people. Remember the Greek word we use for reasoning means to say thoroughly, to dispute and discuss in detail. This time, Paul's message was accepted. In fact, it was accepted so much that they invited him to stay. Stay longer with us. We want to hear from you. The people wanted him to stay. Why did they want him to stay? Because they wanted more of the treasure of the spiritual knowledge that Paul had. They wanted to glean from him everything they could about Jesus Christ. They wanted to know Christ more. You know, When we were at our conference, many of these people were extremely humorous. They were very outgoing and they were very witty. They had a great command of the English language. But the one thing that kept my attention most of all was their heart for Jesus Christ that they exposed to you. They had such a heart for the Lord. And as you saw that, you were drawn into what they were saying and you kind of hung on every word because they were teaching straight from their own heart. And it was a beautiful time. And that's what made me want to stay and listen. I knew that God was using these men to talk to me. I knew that God was using these men to minister to me and strengthen me and encourage me. I knew the Lord wanted to impart into, for me better truths to me so I could understand him better. Anyone can stand up and recant jokes and tell smooth stories that even motivate you. But only a person filled with the Holy Spirit. And only a person who has yielded to the Holy Spirit and his influence can impart the truths found in God's word. Impart them in a way that's palatable. Impart them in a way that's refreshing. And impart them in a way to make you want to apply them to your lives. That's what these guys were doing for me at this conference. And this shows another part of Paul. We saw Paul's missionary heart. Now we're seeing Paul's pastoral heart. Paul had a heart of a pastor. He had a heart of a pastor. We see Paul, the pastor-teacher. He had this sharp theological mind. Some say he was unflinching and uncompromising in his stand for the truth. And they said that because of this, it made him kind of like a not compassionate person. I don't see that at all. I don't see that at all. I see a tender heart, a heart that's exposed, a heart that's so in love with God a heart that so realizes what God has done for his life that he wants all to experience that wonder and that awe of salvation. That's what I see in the Apostle Paul, and that's a pastoral heart. His heart's tender. He's a true man of God because he has a true heart towards God. He's a true servant of the Lord. He was willing to lay his life down for anyone for the gospel's sake. How many times was he stoned? How many times was he beaten? How many times was he ripped asunder? Because he knew how important the gospel was and his life be darned. 
he would go through it because he was ready for anything. His life didn't matter. And that's the one thing that Paul showed me greatly when I read him. His life didn't matter. It wasn't about him anymore. It was about Jesus Christ. It was so important that we see that. That we've died and we've been resurrected in him. And he is now our life. And the old me has passed away. Thank you, Jesus. And the new me has emerged. I see that in Paul. I see that. Paul was willing to give up his very salvation for the Jews to come in to the kingdom. You just don't decide a heart like that. That's not a heart that everybody has. Every place Paul went, he was at odds with people. Every place he went, they basically wanted to kill him. Does that happen to you? You may think it feels like it happens to you at work. You may think they hate you at work, and you may think that they want to kill you at work. But they probably really don't want to kill you. They may hate you, but they don't want to kill you. These guys actually wanted to kill him. But he went there anyhow. Opened up his heart and preached God's word. He would stay. If only a handful would listen, he would stay and teach them. Even after all the trouble in Corinth, we see that the scripture says he stayed for 18 months. And what did he do? He taught the word of God. Paul knew what changes society and what changes the heart of men. Only the word of God. Nothing else will change society except the word of God. The Ephesians wanted him to stay longer, but he could not. He he said, I'll be back. I'm sure this was somewhat heartbreaking for Paul because he saw people who were really wanting to get close to God. He saw people who really had a heart for God and wanting to learn Paul. And this was tough for Paul to leave, but he left Priscilla and Aquila there. He left them there, and there's a reason he left them there. We find out in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19, that they actually start a church in their home. Priscilla and Aquila actually started church in their home and started ministering to other people. We'll read more about them when we talk about Apollos next week and we get into the ministry of Ephesus. So in verse 22, Paul finally makes it back to Caesarea and he goes up to the church of Jerusalem before he returns to his home church. And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. Paul finally reaches Jerusalem where it's believed that he goes in, fulfills his vow... And then he goes and greets those of the church, Peter, James, whomever was there. He greets them. But doesn't stay very long because he heads to his home church of Antioch. The second missionary journey is over. The second missionary journey ends when he gets back to Antioch, his home church. But Paul is ever on the move, following the Holy Spirit wherever he leads. What a great example for us of being influenced by the Holy Spirit. And following the Holy Spirit's lead. What example of walking by faith? And I think it's pretty interesting. I still have my lunch band. I think my wife thinks I'm crazy. I'm still wearing my lunch band because we have blue lunch bands and gray lunch bands. I still have my gray lunch band on. But the reason I'm wearing it is because it says Steps of Faith. That was the name of the conference. And it has Revelation 3.8. The Lord opens a door that no man can shut. It's a step of faith. And I see that. We even sang a song there, one of my most favorite songs. We sang, and I haven't sung it in a long, long time. Oh, God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning. I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step, you'll lead me, and I will follow you all my days. Steps of faith, the Holy Spirit leads, and we walk one step at a time by faith. We step out by faith. As we step out, the Lord opens doors. The Lord closes doors. This building is a prime example. 
This building is a prime example of us stepping out in faith. We knew the Lord wanted to give us a bigger building. Not that we need a bigger building for us. Look at us. We've got empty chairs. We just wanted a place where we could grow, a place for our kids to, to relax and, and not have to worry about being loud, coming through the walls during the service, a place where we could grow into. And look what the Lord did for us. I could spend an entire month telling you the stories about how the Lord worked here and how we found the building and all that, and we might do that sometime. But it was clearly an act of faith. We prayed about it. The Lord brought it to our attention. And every time we prayed, whether it be myself, Frank and I, whether it be the group, wherever, B and I, all of us together, I don't care who prayed. Every time we prayed, we prayed the same prayer. Lord, if it be your will, let us go through with this. We're following you step by step. But, Lord... You can close the door at any time, if it be your will. Well, he didn't close any doors. And we kept on walking. In Isaiah 30, verses 19 to 21, the Lord is speaking to Judea. He's talking to the Judeans, and he's saying, listen to me and follow my ways. He says, you're too comfortable. You're too prosperous. And because you're comfortable and prosperous, you've forgotten me. You have forgotten me. The great commentator David Guzik said this, it's always better to be uncomfortable and in tune with the Lord than to be comfortable and out of step with God. That's what the Lord's complaint with the Judeans were. And that's one of the reasons why he took them into captivity. They were out of step with God. They were comfortable. They were prosperous. And they were sitting back on their laurels and saying, well, what do we need God? Why do we need God? We have everything we would want. See, we must take those steps of faith and walk with our God. We must resolve in our hearts to do this, and this becomes our consecration. We must dedicate ourselves to following him and him alone. What's the Lord saying to us today as we wrap this up? He's saying, I need you to be men and women of me, of God. And I need you to be following me at all costs. And you need to be ready for anything. I want you to seek me. I want you to learn of me. I want you to know me. I want you to follow me. I have given you a purpose. I've given you life, and when your faith is challenged, always remember, I'm always faithful with you. I'm always there. One of the, one of the speakers at our, at our conference said, if our God is not faithful, then guess what? There's no tomorrow. That's how faithful God is to us. I never get tired of hearing Frank say it. I'm going to put him on the spot. Every morning when we're together, and he always looks out, and he says, oh, there's that fireball again. The Lord let it come up again one more time. And that always tickles me when he says that. But he's right. The Lord let it come up one more time. The Lord allowed us to have another glorious day in his service because he loves us so much, and he's placed us here for a reason. If he's not faithful, there is no tomorrow. If he says to my heart, stop beating, goodbye, folks. See you in heaven. He's faithful and true. As I said earlier, Paul wasn't satisfied with his results. And in one verse, the second missionary journey ends, and the third missionary journey begins. Look at our last verse, verse 23. After he had spent some time there, he departed and went over to the region of Galatia and Persia in order, strengthening all the disciples. We don't know how long Paul spent at his home church of Antioch. Some think about a year. Could be more. But again, Paul's heart begins to show itself. This time we see both the missionary heart and the pastoral heart. First, after he leaves Antioch, this missionary heart is pounding, ready to get out there. He's a true missionary. You can't keep him down. I want to go out and teach the word. I want to go out and get people saved. I want to go out and see people be born again. That's a missionary heart. I want to see new believers all across the world. 
There's something about a missionary heart. You can't keep it quiet. You can't keep it down. You have to answer the call. You have to. I'm sure that Paul was guided by the Holy Spirit. He goes to Galatia and Persia, and he strengthens the disciples there. And here you see the pastoral heart. He's the encourager. He's the encourager, the one who teaches from the Word and encourages the disciples. And I was so encouraged over the weekend as we sat there and listened and as we were sitting there and we were gleaning on there. And those of you that know me know this encouraged me to the utmost because Joe Foch quoted 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He said, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And it was such encouraging to me to hear him quote my favorite scripture. I've quoted it here billions of times. I just quoted it again. I love that scripture. It speaks volumes to me. I believe that God has called us, Calvary Chapel, Cape May, for such a time as this in 2013. With the ever rise of abortion, with the attack on marriage getting stronger and stronger every day, I believe God has called us to be what? His voice. God has called us to be his voice in this time. I believe that God has called every one of us to step out in faith and to see what he might do through us and how we might answer his call. I truly believe that God has called this body of believers for such a time as this. The world is getting darker and darker every day. Our nation is crumbling within our eyes. It's crumbling from within. The strong family unit that used to be is no more. It's broken. Families are estranged from one another. Alcohol abuse is higher than it's ever been. Drugs continue to steal away our kids and drag them into alternative lifestyles and alternative things. We need Jesus. The world is in such desperate need for Jesus Christ. God has called us. But he didn't call us to sit back and relax and let somebody else do it. He's called us. You saw the kids. That generation. God help them. That generation, I'm so afraid for them. I'm so fearful for them, what they might have to go through. Even the younger generation. Gail and Tom's kids. I'm afraid for them. I'm afraid for what they're going to grow up into. God has called us. He doesn't want us to sit back. He's called us to be salt and light. You ever know what salt's used for? It's used as a preservative. It's used to enhance flavor. And salt melts cold ice. We're salt. We melt cold hearts. God melts cold hearts. You know, we're disciples of Jesus Christ And he intends that we be a purifying presence in the world today and an influence and that purifying, just like salt that purifies. I don't believe that righteousness is going to come through political process. I don't believe that righteousness is going to come through legislation. I mean, the perfect law of God couldn't make man righteous. Righteousness comes through a repentant heart. Righteousness comes by faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. And that's what righteousness comes from. You know the scripture, God's people who are called by his name must humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. As I said before, society is only changed by men's hearts. Society is only changed by women's hearts. And it's my prayer that we would be the first to change. That it would start here. It would start with us, and our hearts would be yearning for God. Our hearts would be so on fire with God that we wouldn't be satisfied. We wouldn't be satisfied with what we have, but we would want more of what God wants us to have. And I have no idea what that looks like. I have absolutely no idea what that looks like. But I know all of you have 
relatives that need to be saved, children that are prodigals. All of you have hurting people, hurting neighbors, sick people that you know that are dying without Jesus Christ. And God wants them to be saved. Did you ever notice how flat food tastes without salt? Well, many of our people that we know our lives are flat. There's nothing in them. They have nothing to live for. Life has become a bore and a grind. They continue to search for excitement, and the pleasure mania of the world has engulfed them. People are trying to find out their way out of the hold rooms. Well, we have the way out. Jesus Christ should bring zest and flavor to our lives. And people should see that. Jesus Christ should bring excitement to our lives. We should be excited to tell people we're Christians. We shouldn't stand in a crowd and go, I'm a Christian. We should stand in a crowd and go, I'm a Christian. Jesus loves you. That people would hear. You also notice that salt makes you thirsty. Try going to a movie and having a bag of popcorn without a soda. It really makes you thirsty. Try eating some peanuts that are salted without a drink. Our lives should cause other people to thirst for the living water of Jesus Christ. Our lives, exemplified before people, should make other people want Jesus Christ. Our lives should make them be wanting a relationship with Jesus Christ because they should want what we have and what we exhibit. But when we are no different from the world, when we are showing the same attributes that the world shows, when we are showing the same nasty attitude towards our neighbor, towards our brother and sister, when we're doing the exact same thing the world's doing, why should they change? Why should they want what we have? Christ called us the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. The beautiful scripture in Matthew when he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Are you ready for anything? The good, the bad, the ugly? Are you yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you into what the Lord would have you do? Not that the Lord would have me do, because if you come to me and say, you know, I know exactly what the Lord wants this church to do. They want them to do, well, he wants this church to do this and this and this. Because you know what I'll say? It's a great ministry for you. See, the Lord's showing each of us something to do. The Lord is calling you for such a time as this. Are you making yourself available to him by knowing him through his word? By trusting him, by faith in his word? By following him, by obeying him? Are you abiding in him on a daily basis? And we have to begin by walking step by step along with the Holy Spirit. And by faith, knowing that the one who has called us is faithful. That he who began the work in you, in me, in this church, is faithful to complete it. And he's not done with this yet because he hasn't taken us home. And we're here for a reason, for a purpose. That people would know Christ. That people would come to him. Are you ready? You've been listening to Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave is working his way through the book of Acts. Did you know that the first martyr for Jesus was a great man of faith? His name was Stephen, and he was bold and courageous to proclaim the name of Jesus to others. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth. 
even when it cost him his life? What courage in the midst of opposition? Do you think you could do the same in this day and age? It's hard to stand up for Jesus when everyone around you is telling you you're intolerant, unloving, and just looking to put people down if you tell them they're doing something wrong. But what makes things right or wrong is firmly rooted in Scripture. It's God's Word that should direct morality, and Stephen was unafraid to go there. If you like this message and would like to catch up on any message you may have missed, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. There you'll find many messages from the Book of Acts, as well as other series. If you find yourself in the Cape May, New Jersey area, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website, location, directions, and service times. And if you prefer to call, you can do that too. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that's 609-884-5821. We'd be happy to answer any questions over the phone. Well, that's all we have time for today, but we've loved spending this time with you. We look forward to the next edition of A Sure Hope.